It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The forever It's at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, November 4th, and you're you're listening to episode 388. Today I'm joined by a special guest, as sometimes I am, uh, our friend, your moderator, Chris. Chris Michaud. How's it going, pal? Hello, Builders. It's good to see you again, Jason. Yeah, you as well. Always exciting to have you here. It's all me excited to be here. You're the you're the one person who we've always said on the show can can just say I'm coming on the show and we say okay. <laughs> In fact, this kind of went that way. You sent me a message and said I'd like to come back on the show, and I was like, let's do it. Well, you know, it's it's, it's kind of like being like uh, the weekend anchor, right? right. You just got to fill in <laughs> once in a while, yeah. and uh, it's a steady gig. Yes, yes. So. What what's going on with you? I feel like there's some stuff going on with there's you. There's a lot of stuff uh, going on with me. It's been actually a pretty uh, energizing year creatively. I'm gonna just get the, all the plugs out of the way right now. Go for it. Uh, yeah, we'll all the business, and then it's and then it's all content after that. Uh, number one today on Twitter, um, which will be in the past by the time you hear this, uh, we announced that uh, Flip the Table is doing a reunion show at Granite Game Summit yes. next year, March of 2020, uh, episode 10,001. Uh, recorded in front of a live audience. Uh, more details will come out about that in our social media and stuff, but uh, we're bringing the band back together and we're going to uh, do a live show. It's going to be a lot of fun. Very exciting. Um, I mean, you're, you're uh, lying also... about episode 10,001, but I'm still excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the final episode was episode 10,000 because it didn't matter anymore. So well, the next one after that is, I, is 10,001. That was also a lie, but it's okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Just saying, we've been working at this so, for eight years, and we're at like three hundred and eighty-eight, and then you're like, "Oh, ten thousand. Well, yeah, I mean, that's as radio is theater of the mind. It's just whatever is in the imagination of the listener that's what counts. To quote Han so. Solo: "The force doesn't work like that." <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. Keep talking because I'm very and, excited. And speaking, about of, this. speaking of force, I'm going to force this segue to the next thing I'm doing, which <laughs> uh, is. Uh, PAX U. Um, I'm going to be working at the Formal Fair at Games booth at PAX Unplugged this year, if you happen to be going to that. Um, so I'll be uh, partnering with uh, Gil Hova and, and selling and demoing uh, his games, which are all excellent. Um, so it's a rare out-of-state convention for me, and I'm really excited to do it. Um, in fact, uh, myself and Flip Flory and Crystal Bizzano of Board Game Blitz uh, are planning to put together some kind of cross-podcast breakfast thing for uh, listeners of all of our fine programs. Um, so we don't have the exact details of that nailed down, but if you pay attention to our social media, uh, to Flip Flory's show and to uh, Board Game Blitz, um, you will probably find out more in the very near future. So we're doing that. Um, and uh, and I, I post a game. I'm a game designer now. You did. Um, yeah. Uh, Roll Estate, uh, which was pitched on this show under another name about a year ago, uh, is now available at pnparcade.com. Uh, for $3 as a uh, print-and-play file, all you need is five dice and a uh, printer and a pen and uh, and a good sense of fun, and you can enjoy Roll Estate right now. Awesome. Well, congrats. That is awesome. Thank you. It's It's been it's been a fun year, and it was a fun process uh, actually you know, putting my money where my mouth is. I, I was a game pundit for so many years, and, <laughs> I, and I talked a big game about how games should be built. Right, or shouldn't um, be. 
should or shouldn't be built, right? And uh, and so to actually do it is a different matter altogether. And I, and I feel like I learned a lot and gained a lot of respect for for the process. Right, right. That's awesome. Um. So, no, I'm very excited for you. I need to go out and order my copy of that. And I encourage the builders to do so as well. You know, we uh, we always say, hey, we don't ask for anything on this show, but you could support our stuff when we put it out there. And and Chris is as close to one of us as you can be without being one of the actual, like, normal hosts of the show. So help him out. Three bucks is a scream of a deal for that game because the game is a lot of fun. A scream so. of a deal. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, and it's such a neat model uh, that PNP Arcade has. Um, that it was kind of exciting to, to participate in that and, and to get to put the game out there in that way. Yep, yep. Uh, I want to back up just a second. Uh, so Pax U, man, I really hope that next year you can also work for Gilhova because so some of the builders probably don't realize this, but you and I, though good friends, have literally never met <laughs> in person. Not one time. We've we've podcasted a bunch, yep. uh, but have never been in the same physical space. Uh, I met Flip Flory uh, a few years back at Gen Con and his one appearance to Gen Con. Uh, and, and traumatized him by being a traitor in his game and, and screwing everyone over. Um, <laughs> I remember yeah, that. Yeah, it was good good times. I have no regrets. Um, but I, Pax U, I, I desperately want to go to Pax U. I can't make it this year, but my that is going to be on my schedule for next year because all the other designers are like, you got to go to Pax U, man. You know, if you're getting, if you're going to try and get more stuff out there, Pax U is a place to go. So, uh, so I'm really hoping next year. Uh, and I keep also trying to convince my family to go to Maine. Uh, for a trip, uh, which is not going to happen next year. I'm, I'm hoping for the year after, uh, but we decided to go west next year. So I'm going to go back east. Uh, we got we to gotta find a reason to come to Maine. It's We got to work on that. I know, right? So right? You, could, you could like see a lobster. Right. My wife yeah. and I went to um, to Acadia National Park uh, many years ago before we had kids. And it was one of our, Bar Harbor was one of our favorite little places ever. Like what a cool little touristy town. So um, yeah, Bar Harbor is great if you like uh, nature. Uh, I almost never visit Bar Harbor. That's fair. Yeah, we <laughs> we actually big fans of the nature. So I would also not recommend. Okay, there's, to there's you, plenty of that in Maine, uh, so you could right. probably make a case to see some nature. Yes. Um, and then if you're into Stephen King, you can come to Bangor and see like the the Stephen King sites around right. here, uh, which would include uh, a place very close to my house. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, it'd be a reason to stop by. Yes, no, We, if we ever make it in the vicinity, trust me, we will make it over to see you all. <laughs> so. All right, we'll, we'll make it happen. Yes. Um, and then I'll show you the sewer grate that everybody takes pictures by every day. Yes, And then yes. you go see the big Paul Bunyan statue, and then you're pretty much set. Right, right. Well, I've seen the Paul Bunyan statue in Minnesota, so I've also seen that, you know, so you've got some competition. Uh, there. See, that's disappointing because now you have a point of comparison for a different Paul Bunyan <laughs> oh, no. statue. So it's possible that our Paul Bunyan statue won't measure up. And so now <laughs> that's now I'm nervous about it and kind of wish you would stay away. <laughs> it was a long time. It was even longer ago. It was almost 20 years ago that I saw the Paul Bunyan statue. So I can almost guarantee you I do not remember how tall it was. Yeah, well, ours is majestic, okay? <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a redwood. I know. <laughs> it's right across from the casino. You can't miss it. Nice, nice. As it should be, right? Paul Bunyan built a casino with his bare hands. I think that's how the story goes. With his blue ox and his bare hands. Yes. He raised it from the ground yeah. with Johnny Appleseed and Abraham Lincoln. Yes, yes. Wow, that went places. That went places. <laughs> Whew. 
All right. Well, um, I, I don't even honestly don't even know where to go from there. Um, I uh, think I got to do recently that was pretty exciting. I, I got to go down to John Gilmore's uh, office in uh, Montpelier, Ohio. Um, Montpelier, yeah, which is actually only an hour and a half from my house. So myself and uh, Mr. Gray Dietrich went down there, uh, played a bunch of games, uh, some stuff he was uh, looking at, uh, some some projects he's working on. He tried out some of our stuff. It was a uh, it was an amazing day of just uh, hanging out. Uh, Ian Moss was there, uh, Travis uh, Magrum, uh, and some others. It was it was really great. So we had a good time, and uh, yeah, sounds like a Marvel versus Capcom of uh, game design there. Basically, yeah, you know. So there were there were uh, heated words exchanged. Um, friends became enemies. <laughs> enemies became friends. It was it was a day. No, it was it was really great. Um, it's. It's, it was great. We hate each yeah, other. Yeah, we, we will never speak we again. Blood oaths to take revenge on each other. It was awesome. No, actually, it was one of those things too. At the end, where John was like, "Come down and hang out sometime," and I was like, "Oh gosh, yeah." Like I make my own schedule, and like you work here all day, like, and you're only an hour and a half away. Like I can come hang out for a day and play a bunch of games. I should do that. Yeah, so, yeah. you just make up some kind of business reason to do it, and yeah, yeah, yeah. get some games in uh, while you're there. Yeah, so. All right. Well, we can probably uh, we want to talk about a topic. You said you have sure. Let's talk about the most amazing and and I think majestic. You've been using that word a lot lately. Topic (laughs) to ever grace the BTG stage, if you will. Right. It is as majestic as the Paul Bunyan statue in Bangor, Maine, across from the casino, across from the majestic (laughs) Hollywood slots and casino. Oh, it's called the Hollywood slots and casino. Yes. It's not even called like Acadia slots. It's called. Hollywood slot. They have a one pound cheeseburger, Jason. Oh, wow. It's majestic. Not even a moose burger? <laughs> totally did. No, this is digital. Cheeseburger. <laughs> moose burgers from the past, oh, you're man. Right. You're right. So I thought I would talk about um, something uh, of interest, uh, at least to me, and something that maybe some of the listeners might be interested in, uh, where uh, we mentioned earlier that I published Roll Estate this year is a print-and-play document. And I am selling the game as a print-and-play, uh, which is a relatively new phenomenon. Uh, right, whereas right. in the past, if, you were, if you're self-publishing, your options are the Game Crafter, which is still a great option, uh, or Kickstarter. Like, you fund the game yourself in one way or another through crowdfunding mm-hmm. or out of pocket, and you fill your garage with them and try to sell them that way. Yeah, or your basement. Um, or your basement. Or your basement, <laughs> right? Whatever, whatever clean space that you have in your home uh, you fill with copies start, of your game. If you start publishing so, your own game, it won't be clean. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They, they do tend to attract <laughs> ants, I'm told. Um, so, so where this is kind of a new thing, I thought it might be good to talk about like what are the benefits of publishing as a print and play, what kind of games might be good for that format, mm-hmm. and, and kind of what can you expect if you publish uh, your game as a print What do you expect when you're expecting to publish a game? Uh, as a print and play, right, right, yes. No, I'm actually really interested in this. This is something that I know virtually nothing about. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, and just to to give it some context too, um, you know, we we tend to think of self publishing as like anybody can do it. So it's the wild west, right? You like you'll get some people who have really awesome creative games, and then you'll get some people who uh, you know maybe tested it once and then just put it out there. Um, and so you might think of this as being something where you highly have to weed through, but if, if you really look closely at it, 
Uh, like, for example, if you look at the PNP Arcade website, which I'm doing right now, the publishers that have games on there, you've got Button Shy, Cardboard Edison, uh, Daily Magic, Formal Ferret, uh, you know, all kinds of reputable companies uh, publishing games as a print and play. Do they, or do they do some screening then? Like, I mean, it's not just like, I just throw my game up there. I assume they do do some screening. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you were to send them something that was just completely off the wall, I'm not sure that they would necessarily take it. I couldn't tell you for sure, though. It, I know that um, uh, Jason Tagmeyer and Jason Greeno are the sort of minds behind PNP Arcade, um, and they are the ones who sort of decide what does and doesn't go on the website. So you probably need to have something pretty decent, and, and that's what's good about it is that it's curated. So customers of this website uh, know that they can expect a good product. Yep. No, I'm, um, I'm just looking right now, and you're right. I mean, this is absolutely, uh, this is absolutely stuff. Uh, that is that is good stuff, right? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Hey, a game you could go buy there if you were interested in it is Unreal Estate for the bargain price right. of five dollars. <laughs> I had no idea this was out there. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh my gosh! If you hilarious. don't yet have Unreal Estate, <laughs> you can go buy it right now as a print and play. Wow! Wow! I had no idea that was out there. That's hilarious. That's amazing. I pull up the page and I'm like, wait a minute. I know this game. <laughs> it's it's actually a perfect game for it. I mean, because it's it's cards. You know what I mean? Any of the score tracking stuff, you can keep... I mean, it looks like it comes with the uh, with the score tracker, but I mean, frankly, you can keep track of the score with, um, with pen and paper. You know what I mean? It's not like you need something fancy. Yeah. Wow, that's hilarious. Yeah. And so, so you can see like, uh, you know, PNP Arcade has a lot of great games. Um, there's also places like, uh, itch.io. I think it's itch.io or something. I don't know enough about the site to really speak intelligently to it, but I do know mm-hmm. that some people sell their print and play games through that. And I'm certain that there are other places where you can sell your PDF. Uh, even if you just kind of strike out and don't do it on a game aggregation site, you can create a file and you can sell it that way. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's becoming a thing. Um, and for me, you know, I've always been kind of interested in print and play ever since like uh, the old James Ernest games uh, where you'd buy like an envelope, pull a cardstock and you supply your own uh, components. So it was kind of the, the primordial ooze of that model. Right, right. Uh, where it's, it's more about you're buying the rules and the base stuff that you need, but you provide some of your own stuff to fill it in and, and save a little bit of money. Um but uh, what always held me up from really getting into it in the past was the construction part of it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. you know, games with hundreds of cards are a lot tougher to do as a print and play uh, or games that have boards that you have to mount and stuff like that. That's always been, for me personally, uh, a barrier to entry. Um, and because some people would say that, you know, if you're printing it in color, you might spend as much on your color ink and cardstock and stuff like that in time and effort as you would if you just bought a physical product, right? Right. Um, but what I'm seeing lately is this wave of sort of low construction type games, mm-hmm. which are actually really great games, but they don't require a ton of that work. And so it's, it's a low enough barrier to entry that you're, you're going very quickly. Um, Roll Estate, for example... You just print enough score sheets for everybody and you're done. There's no scissors involved, no sleeving, none of that that you have to do. There's also a ton of the 18-card right. button-shy games. 18 cards, that's two pages uh, that you slice yeah. up, 18 yeah. cards, throw them in sleeves, 
you're good. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, so, as somebody who prints 18 cards, you know, like I print way more than that in color routinely as a game designer. That's nothing, you know. But yeah, gosh, real estate is just absolutely perfect for it because, I mean, you print those sheets and you've got dice. Everyone has dice for it, 100%. Exactly. Everybody's got six-sided dice, has easy access to them. Uh, there's other games like that, too. Uh, Robin Gimson has his Paper Pinball series, uh, which is just two six-sided dice and one score sheet, and it's a sort of pinball simulator on paper. Um, That's cool. And so, and and you know, these sell for around three bucks, um, yep. which is about what you would pay for an app on your phone, right? Uh, so that's another thing that, that makes it an interesting model is that it's such a low cost, but, uh, on PNP arcade, the publisher terms are pretty, uh, generous. Um, I, off the top of my head, it's, it's around 70% that, uh, the creator keeps and then the, uh, the website keeps the rest. Excellent. Whatever sales. And you can set your own price. Um, you probably want to be somewhere in the range of other games of the same weight and construction and whatever, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, you think about that. You know, I've I've not published a game in print myself, but I know enough about contracts to know that that's pretty comparable to what the royalty you would get if you had printed something and sold it to a company. Um, now you'll probably do less volume. I mean, that's the reality of it, um, mm -hmm. because you know, having something out there, you know, kind of self-published on PNP Arcade, you know, is not the same as doing a two hundred thousand dollar Kickstarter, right? Right. Um, but, um. For me, I felt like it was a good way to reach the sort of micro audience that was looking for what I was making um, and a way to put it out there at relatively low risk. You know, as, as long as you come with something that is, is a finished product and that looks good, you have a good chance of being accepted to one of these sites. Um, whereas when you're pitching to publishers, um, you know, I, I was turned down by a lot of publishers and for great reasons. They were all incredibly kind about it. But from a publisher's perspective, you need a hit if you're going to publish a game, right? Because you're taking a significant mm -hmm. risk yep. printing that game. Uh, even if you're crowdfunding, you know, you are you are sinking time and opportunity cost into running that Kickstarter. And that is a cost by itself. Yes. Um, whereas I arrived with a finished product and it looked saleable. It had a solo mode, which is it does very well on these types of sites. Uh, and so it was good to go. Um, so... It's a great way, especially if you're kind of a starting designer, to cut your teeth and, and get your stuff out there and maybe make a little bit back doing it. Yep. Yeah, and I think that, you know, it, it really needs to be based on what your goals are, right? You know, if your goals are to print up 100,000 copies, then, well, I mean, well, first of all, good luck with that. But, you know, I mean, if you want something physical, then, you know do something physical like that. I mean, this is, this is a fantastic way to get your game out there. It's, it's super, you know, I mean, I, I love this. I, 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 um, I think that if this had been around in the earlier days, um, like when Rob was game designing, I feel like Rob would have put a lot of stuff out here because this really, Oh, I'm sure, you know, I think about like some of his early pitches mm -hmm. um, and the stuff that went up on game crafter and a lot of this, especially where Rob is a graphic designer. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, he, uh, you know, probably would have put a lot of stuff on there and it would have looked great uh, because, uh, you know, that's that's one of my personal weaknesses is graphic design. I had to hire that out. And that might be a strike against going this route is if you are not really into graphic design, nor are you willing to hire that out and invest a little bit of money. Right. 
Right. You know, for, for me, I was willing to do that, and it turned out to be a good investment, um, a great investment, in fact. But um, you know, that's that's something that is important is that it does need to look good. It needs to look attractive. Um, right. And you don't have a company doing that for you. Right. Yeah, no, it's it's on but, you. And I mean, the nice thing is you submit it as a PDF. Is that correct? It looks like all the files right. are PDFs. So that's, that's um, at least it's not like you're having to graphic design and then also prepare files for print and, you know, worry about what does it look like when I print it compared to this, you know, like when you're dealing with GameCrafter and things like that, right? This is, that's, that's a nice thing to not have to worry about. Sure. I mean, if you think about GameCrafter, I mean, GameCrafter makes really good quality components for people self-publishing their stuff, for people creating prototypes. But if I'm submitting a, a product from the GameCrafter to a publisher, I could be 30 bucks deep. Um, and, you know, that's $30 per publisher that I'm submitting to. Yeah. Um, no, and uh, that's that's a tough decision to make as a side note. Um, Neil and I are working on a game where we're going to need multiple copies to show publishers and to do playtesting with, and it's going to be a deck of cards. The game will primarily just be a deck of cards. But, um, you know, I'm, I, it was kind of like one of those, like, I feel like we really need to actually put this on GameCrafter so that we can just ship copies to publishers and they can play the game. And, um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and it's, but it's going to cost us probably 10 to 15 bucks a copy. Whereas, you know, I can whip one of those prototypes up on my own for three bucks, you know? Right. Um, and, and if the publisher or the website or whatever is selling electronic copies, then that's a little more acceptable versus, um, you know, a company that, that is going to need that in print. They really need, like, you, you don't want to create obstacles for somebody that you're pitching to, right? Right. Um, so, so for me, uh, I had good luck connecting with publishers because the game was so component light. I felt okay about sending a PDF of the game because all they needed to provide was five dice and pens and right, printed right. pages, right? That's very extremely low construction. Whereas if I had a bunch of cards, the, I'm not necessarily going to pitch to the same publishers that I pitched to without submitting them a physical copy right. because I'm asking them to cut and sleeve cards and invest that much more time and they might not give me the same time of day. Right. Yep. Um, and and for good reason. You know, time is money, right? Um, so so that's another positive if you're looking to publish in electronic format is that the people who are going to be considering this in a curated site, it's a little less work to do as far as cutting and sleeving and stuff. But you also have to have make it easy for them to construct it too. Your instructions have to be really clear or if it can have no construction, even better. If, if you've got a game idea that it can just play on a piece of paper, like a roll and write, that's such a great avenue for this mm -hmm. that is, it's well worth considering. And even if you, yeah, 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 no, that's, that's a great point. Um, yeah. So, um, tell me, tell me the biggest reason not to do a game on there. So if you are looking to do something that is large in scale. Uh, something that would take somebody at home a lot, a lot, a lot of work to put together. We're talking something with a huge board or something with, you know, many, 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 many cards. Um, then this might not be right for you. Or if your goals are to see something uh, in a box on a shelf, then maybe this is not the terminal destination for your game. Now, bear in mind that with PMP Arcade, you retain the rights to your game when you put it up there. 
Uh, and with other, any of these other sites, uh, it's the same thing. So you still own it. You can still go out and pitch it. Um, and you might sell a few copies along the way. But um, I think if it's something that is going to be really cumbersome for somebody at home to construct, then you might lean a little more toward like a game crafter where it's it's in a box and it's done. Right, right, right. That's a good point. I figured you'd say um, something like that. That or, you know, if, if it's a minis game, that's probably a poor fit. Right. You know, or, or if component quality is supposed to be one of the big selling points of the game, right? <laughs> right. Like, um, you know, if, if it's one of those things where you envision the game being beautiful, right? Because um, the thing is, when people print at home, people have different printers and stuff. And you have to consider some people have like cheap inkjet printers and, you know, games with really fine print uh, don't do as well on those, right? Right. So, right. Um, you know, that's something to consider as well. Is this, you know, is it super text heavy, right? Is, is it something that it has a lot of small text that could potentially get jumbled up on somebody's home printer? Um, you know, I would say if you got an 18 card game, if you've got uh, something that's just, you know, a couple of pages printed that uses standard basic components, um, then it's a no-brainer to publish electronically if you're looking to get it out there in that way. If it's something that requires construction of custom dice, then it gets real questionable. Right. If it's something with a ton of cards, it gets a little bit questionable. Any specialty um, components, right, that's going to be hard for someone to provide. Right. And, uh, but, but I think I should say again that, that publishing in this manner does not prevent you from continuing to pursue the goal of getting it printed and, and on a shelf. Right, right. Um, I could so see that's this. Still something you want to do, you can still do it. And I could see this as a logical stepping stone for someone who was going to print a small game. Like, say you've got an eighteen card game, right? You want to print it with the Game Crafter and sell it there. Why not also put it here and sell it way cheaper? You know what I mean? Because that's true. You can actually put it in more than yeah. one place and give people an option, right? So you could sell it for somebody who doesn't want to do any construction whatsoever, and they can just pay the Game Crafter for that and get a really great looking copy. Or if somebody wants to do it at home. It, it helps those people who might be on the fence to have a different value proposition. You know, it's, exactly. It's pay me $3 for this game and have it now versus pay the game crafter and have a really well-constructed copy that's going to take a few weeks to get to you. Right. right. Also shipping um, much cheaper from here than the game crafter. Right. Um, in fact, no shipping whatsoever, right? If you're doing yeah, it it's electronically. $0. If zero you buy dollars, and you could be playing in every PMP off here, still zero dollars. Yeah. If, if your game is a great impulse buy, then this might be a, a good option for you. Like if you've come up with something so wacky and weird and out there that somebody might want to just see it in a tweet and purchase it and own it instantly, you know, that might be a good uh, way to go with it too. Um, yeah. 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 Yeah, especially at a low price point, right? Because, you know, if, if it's something that somebody wouldn't try at $20, but would definitely try at $3, then maybe this is the way to go. Right. And I mean, who's not, I mean, yeah, why would you not try a game at $3, right? If you're willing right. to print it, why not give it a go at $3? I mean, it's $3. Right. And more and more people are getting savvy with things like laminating this stuff and, uh, you know, reusing it with dry erase markers. And so, so that stuff... Is, is getting right. more and more prevalent now, especially among like the hardcore roll and write crowd too. Uh, so, you know, you can have a beautiful set that you just make at home, you know, and, and do how you want to do that. So, absolutely, absolutely. Well, that is some good stuff. Um, 
any other thoughts on i mean i've so i've learned a lot about this like i didn't know anything about the idea of pmp arcade i'd heard of it um i knew of some people that had put some stuff out there i knew button shy did some stuff with it i didn't know my game was out there um <laughs> which is hilarious to me that made my night hearing that that was, that was that was pretty great it was a very btg moment right you know <laughs> jason doesn't know something he should absolutely know uh about btg the collectible card game right. could go up there oh that's like, true seriously yeah you could, we could you do... could just throw it up there that's true i, um, I would have to get for, rob for to be willing lower... to oh, you... put the files together yeah you, you can even offer it for free too if that's something you want to do and have it in a place where it's going to get a little bit of exposure you know that's that's an option as that well. That is true, yeah. Um, so, do you get? Um, I encourage everybody stats on sales and stuff like that. I do not. Um, I know they pay out periodically. You know, every couple of months or so. Um, so I will know um, uh, at the beginning of November how well we did in the first few weeks. Um, I was snoopy enough, and I asked about it, so I know that uh, you know I'm not uh, in the red on the game. I'm. I'm positive on money for money spent versus money received so hey, all right that. um so that's that's a victory right there so um, so builders go to pnp arcade search roll estate click add to cart and then buy it uh and you can even pay with paypal as i just did while we were recording this show wow so. hey that's a way to close a sale just go on someone's <laughs> podcast and um, you know what builders you should actually do is just search the word estate and buy everything that comes up yeah. under that search hey, that result. That sounds great, yeah. That'll cost you a total of $8. <laughs> there you and go. maybe you already own a copy of Unreal Estate, but you're like, but I really want to print a second copy myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's one way to do it. That also gives uh, you the option, too, because you know, you, you're not giving up the rights, that you could, for instance, print some nice like laminated versions of the game and then sell them to people you know when you see them at places and such right yeah that's that's another thing you can do too is is you can do the kind of back of the car approach like you buy uh if you own a laminator which is not terribly expensive these days and i got a hundred lamination pouches from amazon pretty cheap um then you could just make some sets and if you're going to a game convention or an event of some sort you know throw them in an envelope and sell them for maybe five bucks or ten bucks like a complete set um in the sort of diy sort of way right, uh, right which some people find really charming and and would enjoy mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so so that's another approach you could do but but i think you know i was listening to the episode that came out this morning and uh, uh you and uh, jason katarski were kind of talking about this and and you know how do you get your game out to an audience and and would you continue to do it if you weren't able to reach the same audience. And that got me thinking about how this format has opened up a whole new segment that wasn't there before. Um, and it's yeah. another yep. relatively easy method, at least comparably, to get stuff out there that might not necessarily click uh, with a, a printed publisher, but is an idea that you know there's an audience for and, and that you're passionate about. Yeah, and I've I've been really interested in the idea of doing more experimental stuff, right? Like, doing some just some stuff that's not necessarily an easy fit for certain publishers, like the ones that I know of that I would try and pitch to. Um, so yeah, this this starts to kind of get the juices flowing for, you know, like what could I do with, uh, you know, yeah. It makes me want to put something out there, right? For, actually, on yeah. purpose, whether put it's, something Whether it's on PNP Arcade or your own website or whatever, you know, it's... Right. Uh, well, in uh, PNP Arcade, you know, I mean, I what a what a great way to do it, you know, I mean, that's, you're going to get more traffic that way, right? 
um, mm-hmm. you're getting a great deal on on you know you're making your good percentage off your sales. Um, you know, I think that's fantastic. So, yeah, and then just link back to your own website so they see it there, and then they go to PMP Arcade and buy it. Ta-da! Exactly. Boom. So I do agree. I, I think it gives it a little more legitness being on you know the PMP Arcade website rather than like you know bobjones.com. I don't know if that's a thing or not. But. Right. It's the difference between like being in the Apple Store and just kind of downloading it onto your iPhone in some other manner, right? You, you right. trust stuff that's in the App Store more than you trust it from another source. Right. Um, so um, so that's a good way to think of it, too. Like, if you can get on one of these more reputable uh, places, then that's good. Um, and I'd be curious to hear from the builders if, if anybody out there has experience with other sites that do this, like uh, uh, itch.io or uh, anything else out there. That'd be an interesting kind of follow-up mm-hmm. to this conversation to see if anybody else is, is doing it in this way. Yeah, so uh, give us a call uh, or send us an email and let us know uh, about that. Yeah, and definitely uh, don't send us an email, whatever you do. Um, you should definitely just call us. Yes. Just please don't use the email. Yeah, that's right. what I keep saying, yeah. I know. I like hearing I you like say you, it, though. Yeah, please don't use the email. That, please. So that, I realize, uh, so before we move on to the game pitch segment here, I just want to say, I, I didn't even think about the fact that everybody now hears you every week singing at the beginning and the end uh, of this lovely show, uh, because it's this been a true. while. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was part of the master plan to just leave a permanent thumbprint on this show <laughs> over time. Well, and have now manipulated you into making that happen. Yes, so. and we... Uh, we uh, have received such positive feedback on the uh, on the uh, opening. Uh, obviously, also on the closing, but people had heard that before, you know, or a portion of it prior. Uh, but yeah, my kids also they sing it a lot as well. Um, <laughs> you know, now that's that's the fun part is that you now have to live with that every day yes. at home. As um, they say, seven seven zero, tell PPG. Or, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't need, I can't even, it's completely wrong the way they say it, but it just makes my day every time because they just giggle and laugh. <laughs> well, I'm glad that, that people are enjoying it and that hasn't uh, driven people away no, too badly. No, no, so no. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. I, I feel like if you listen to this show and have been listening to this show for as long as it's been going on, it would take a lot to drive you away. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you're, 700 or so episodes deep, however long this has been going on, and you're still with it. You're with it to the end, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Somebody pointed out to me that we are one of the longest running uh, board game podcasts in existence. Um, wow. Like, he, I think they said maybe like Ludology and maybe a couple others have us beaten. Now I'm like, well, this is not ending until they're done. Like, I will win this. It's a war of attrition now. Yeah, basically. I mean, it's just, uh, they got to stop gotta eventually. hang in there. <laughs> we're just gonna see who dies the last right 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 i plan on passing the show on to my kid so like it will uh it will never end by, by then uh the theme song will be dubstep yeah well yeah right which you'll be able to get for like a fiber by then <laughs> yep <laughs> oh we should we should probably pitch a game here we should probably move on yeah so we're going to use uh we're going to use board gameizer tonight uh one of our favorites uh building the game podcast sponsored by board gameizer i'm just kidding uh it might as well be though actually i feel like board gameizer sponsored by building the game podcast but uh <laughs> uh so we're gonna do the normal thing here i'm gonna give it a click 
And then uh, are we working together on this? Or is this all yeah, you? Yeah, we, okay. we can make this a team effort. All right, all right. Okay, I'm going to let you take the lead, though, because you're the guest. Sure. All right. I'm going to give it a click here. Beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, 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 boop. <laughs> <laughs> what do we got here? Okay, okay, okay. Here we go. All right. There, there was a dud in there, so I did have to skip because it was, it was a real dud. Like, it was bad. <laughs> uh, also, it involved line drawing, which we just had in the last episode, so. Right. <laughs> Say okay. So okay. The mechanic is pattern recognition. Okay. The theme is sword squad, <laughs> <laughs> which had me at alliteration. Uh, and then the victory condition is most popular. So clearly the most popular sword squad. Uh, yes or no to a constraint. Uh, sure, sure. Let's do the constraint. Uh, let's not. Okay, even better. Here's what I'm going to tell you what the constraint was, and then you'll understand why we don't use it. Must only have cards with numbers on it. That kind of ruins any fun thing we could have. Uh, so yeah, we'll ignore that. But we've got pattern recognition. So we just, we just make the rules and break them. That's, uh, that's how we roll here on BTG. Um, we have pattern recognition as a main mechanic. Our theme is Sword Squad. And the victory condition is the most popular. So most popular sword squad. Yeah. I feel like there's that's the title right there. We're good there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, pattern recognition. So um, I feel like this is kind of a speed and memory game where you are trying to accumulate popularity points by being the best swords person. Or, well, I think and sword squad is important. Like at your medieval high right. school. Right. Right. So, so you are on the, um, um, the, the sword team for the medieval high school, the sword squad. Um, and you go to sword meets and you want to be the most popular member of your own squad. So all the players at the table are on the same squad competing but you want to be the most popular member you want to be the squad. the regina george of sword squads right so um i think about like maybe being flashed cards or patterns in such a way that you have to try to remember the order of and then you need to play cards from your hand that are your parries attacks defenses to respond to those um, oh, i like that but then after you know you've played all your cards uh, you then reveal the results and see how many times you actually successfully parried, attacked, defended, or, you know, if you get hit, uh, then that's negative points or you're out. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you could have, um, so would the, uh, would the patterns coming at you be random? Like, not selected by another player? I'm thinking, uh, well, you could go either way. Like, if this was, I, I'm seeing this, if it's called Squad, so this probably isn't a two-player game. I'm thinking, you know, three to five, maybe even three to six, if it's like a party game. Um, and, or, or even better, um, so you need at least three players for this, but one player has the cards that have the patterns that you need to um, play against. Uh, the other player stands back to them so they can't see it, but then a third player needs to use their body to show the patterns 
that you're supposed to respond to. But the patterns are really abstract. <laughs> They're like octagons or like pictures of flamingos or whatever. Like like something weird that the person has to mime out. Um, but like there's some sort of like a parry beats like certain colors. Um, a thrust beats certain like, I don't know, types of objects, things like that. Um so maybe you had like three types of patterns that you were seeing, all of which had weird pictures associated with them. Um, and then you need to quickly get through as many cards as you can. Um, uh, and then the, the player who gets the most is the winner. Uh, but the player who is helping them and doing the miming is also scoring points along with them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm down with that. I'm just picturing medieval stuff like flamingos, you know. Right. Soft pretzels. Super medieval in nature. <laughs> like medieval high school stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think the high school team should really be the Flamingos. Like our sword squad, the Flamingos. Okay, so maybe maybe animals are attacks, which are things that you would need to defend against. So, so then that's where you want yep. parry. Uh, inanimate objects are opportunities to attack. Because you're just standing there. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's that's when you want to thrust, um, and then maybe like anything else you want to dodge. Um, so anything that is neither an animal nor an inanimate object um, is something that you you want to dodge out of the way of. So mostly people then. Yeah. So like uh, people or. Um, like concepts, maybe? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, like maybe there's just two words on the paper. Just, and it, it just says, says like, existential crisis. <laughs> right. You better Mine dodge on that. We, and if you get that, you have to dodge it. <laughs> like, <laughs> you were killed by the existential crisis. <laughs> So I think this game is ready for PNP Arcade, like, tomorrow. I, we it's need to find somebody to done. whip up a bunch of cards. <laughs> right. This so, sounds so like it'd be a lot a, of cards. A, a bunch of animals, inanimate objects, and words for things that are neither of those. <laughs> right. And uh, and you got yourself a game. You You actually could really make it hard by mixing it up and having... Some words be animals, some words be inanimate objects, but sometimes they're pictures, and then sometimes the words are concepts and things, and just phrases and things that don't include, you know, an animal. Um, Oh, phrases. There you go. So that's the third thing. So animals, inanimate objects, and phrases. And, And that's how you do it. Yep. Yeah. So it's like... um microwave dragon and a card that says show me the money right <laughs> and and then you don't have you don't have to guess what the thing is you just have to yell parry thrust or dodge oh right to, to determine what you have to do yeah yeah and then you've got somebody right. who's double checking you yeah 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 right and you keep going until you defeat the opposing swordsman maybe like a race to like five or something or until you you are touched by the opposing swords person's foil, 
and that ends your round and you stop scoring points. Maybe something like that. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I would I would uh I would play that game. So uh, I would play that too. I, I would try it once. I don't know if I'd try it again after that. Right, right, right. <laughs> I take it for a spin. It's interesting though. It is it is it is very different than anything. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well that's the thing. Sword Squad, tell your friends. There you go. All right. Well. Uh anything else you would like to uh chat about, mention here while we're uh while we're still on the line, as they say? Uh if you haven't played uh Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Uh, yeah, that's a great video game that you should check out. Um, if you liked Castlevania Symphony of the Night, then it's uh, the same producer making a reboot of it, uh, but with the um, serial number scraped off. Um, <laughs> so that's so that's a pretty great game, actually. I, I beat it recently, and I enjoyed it, so you should check that out. Fantastic. Um, and uh, and uh, go to PNP Arcade, search the word estate, and buy everything you see. Uh, if you want to catch me on Twitter, at TableFlipsU is where you can find me. Uh, the complete series of Flip the Table is at tableflipsu.com. Uh, and don't forget that new episode coming out next year. I, I really wish I could go to Granite Game Summit now because, gee, I would like to see that. Well, thanks to Podcast Magic, we'll bring it to you hey! after we record the episode. You will, you will actually post it then? We are actually going to post it in the podcast feed. I, I feel like that's a requirement of a project like this we got to capture it for posterity right what i feel bad for for all the people who don't follow twitter stuff but still have your podcast out there and they're gonna see the new episode they'll be like oh they're back (laughs) nope (laughs) i know it's gonna be exactly that reaction from like one person who's not in any of our social media or anything (laughs) right right right, randomly pop up like what um, so we'll have to make it abundantly clear in the episode that it's a one-off thing and, uh, and we're not going to do this all the time. But, right. Um, no, but it's, but I think it's, it's, it's awesome be a lot of doing fun. it. I think it's going to be a blast. No, I think it's, that's what a great idea. And you don't have to edit it a bunch afterwards. I've found the live shows are a little easier to edit, yeah. believe it or not. Like I guess like I still edit the snot out of them and put in the sound effects and stuff. But Right, right. Fair um, enough, fair enough. But there's a certain energy to the live show where things just kind of keep moving. Yeah, for um, sure. And and even if something lands a little flat, if the audience is good, they'll they'll laugh at it and we could just leave it in. So um yep. those those have weirdly traditionally been the fastest ones for me to turn around so I'm, I'm excited about editing this one especially since it'll be the first podcast episode i've edited in a few years so uh, i feel like i've got some energy back right 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 awesome well hey thanks again for coming on the show as always this was a splendid and fun good time you might say it was majestic you might say that majestic is the paul bunyan statue <laughs> across from the hollywood slots right down the street from Tim Hortons. <laughs> Tim Hortons, I'll tell you what they don't have, though. A one-pound cheeseburger. <laughs> they, they do not have a one-pound cheeseburger. But oh. you could theoretically get your Tim Hortons ice cap, drive down the street, <laughs> get your one-pound cheeseburger, and then uh, and then pull the slots for a while, and then, uh, yeah, and then sob and at then the feet take... of Paul Bunyan when you run out of money. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Make sure to get a picture of that to preserve that for posterity. <laughs> Put that in your podcast feed yeah. so everybody can enjoy that with you. Yeah. Uh, 
All right. Well, hey, if you want to get in touch with uh, with uh, the podcast, you can uh, reach us uh, at buildingthegamepodcast.com. You can send us an email at buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the Twitter uh, at PodcastBTG or even better yet, at J.A. Slingerland. We are on Facebook. We put stuff on Facebook now sometimes. It's pretty cool. Tell us more things you'd like to see on Facebook because that'd be cool. Um, and then also, uh, yeah, that's about it. You can, uh, call us, call us, call us, call 770-TELL-BTG. Please don't use the email. That is right. Please. Please don't. All right. Well, with that, we will say good night. Good night. Building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Dial 770-TELL-BTG. Please don't use the email.